Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Today, I'm excited. Um, I'm burdened about where we're headed for the month of January. Because um, this is a, a series that's growing smaller that, that we've lost sleep over, that we've been praying about. And, and I hope that as we leave here today that God will, will burden you the same way that he's burdened me with what the month of January is gonna be about. Um, you know, I remember as a kid, and this is gonna be a story that'll kind of segue us into this message and, and where we're going for week one of Growing Smaller series. But I remember as a child, I think I was five or six years old, um, I hated going shopping, as every five and six-year-old would, right? But I always had to go with my mom, my grandmother, and my aunt. Despised it. There was nothing I would I would rather have done anything rather than go shopping. I always got in trouble because I was bored out of my mind. I was the kid that was laying on all the shelves, the one that was hiding in the clothes racks because I always got in trouble because there was nothing else to do. It was miserable. But I can remember one specific time we were, how many of you remember when you would hear the stories of going to Macy's downtown? Everybody would go to Macy's downtown and I was with my grandmother, my mom, and my aunt in this dreaded moment of being in Macy's downtown and, and it was packed, it was right around Christmas time and it was complete chaos. And I remember we were waiting to get on an elevator because I believe my little brother was little and we had a stroller and so he was in it. And I remember that we were, I was standing in front of my family and as I'm waiting on the elevator doors, you know, I was a polite young five-year-old. So as soon as the doors opened, what did I do? I bombarded into the elevator, right? You know, you're supposed to kind of etiquette is to wait for everybody to get off. Then you go on. No, it's my turn. The door's open. I'm getting on the elevator. And so I jump onto the elevator and I make my way back to the back of the elevator and I turn around and I'm just lost in the chaos. And then all of a sudden I realize that as, as the exchange happened of people groups, if you would, some people were getting on, some people were getting off. But in all of that chaos, I looked back and once I saw the doors begin to close, what I realized in that moment is my family had not made it on. I was on an elevator in downtown Atlanta in Macy's by myself. And as a five-year-old, six-year-old, ever how old I was, I knew in my mind that this was not good. I knew that there was something I needed to do. I knew that everything in me that I needed to jump back off of the elevator and get back with the people that I was supposed to be with. But in all of that chaos, I became paralyzed. In all of that chaos, I just stood there. In my mind, I knew that I was supposed to go out but the signals in my mind was not relaying to my body to, to do what I was supposed to do. And so just like that, I was completely separated 
from my family. I went astray from the family that I had came with, the ones that I was supposed to be with. And so telling that story, I wanna share a statistic that in 2018, did you know that 6% of churches in America were experiencing growth? Did you hear what I said? 2018, only 6% of churches in America were experiencing growth. Now, I'm not a math major. I was a PE teacher. So if there's 6% that are experiencing growth, that leaves 94% of churches had either become stagnant or for lack of better words, were dying. You see, there's a problem there. And the sad reality is, is then the, you fast forward to the end of 2019, going into 2020, and all of the chaos began. We shared a lot of that chaos last Sunday. We talked a lot about the chaos that was beginning. So as that chaos began to spread like wildfire across our country, I can confidently stand up here today and tell you that that 6% of churches that were experiencing growth has now decreased. Has now decreased. So somewhere along the way, people have become stagnant. People have become honestly just disengaged in the church. And I know that when we talk about that, that man in 2018, 6% were seeing growth, but now 2000, beginning of 2022, that there are more churches or less churches that are experiencing growth than that of 2018. If, if we were to settle there and we were to think about that, I don't know about you, but that's pretty discouraging. That's pretty depressing for lack of better words that I've talked to the leader of our association and our community and that within a 10 mile radius of this building, there are seven churches who are on the brink of closing their doors, who are on the verge of, of shutting down because they can't pay for it, because nobody's coming, because people have gone astray. People, for whatever reason, have become very uninterested in the body of Christ. And so I know you're probably thinking, well, man, Brian, thanks for the encouragement today. Let's get it in 2022. I want to remind you of a promise. I want to remind you of a promise from our Savior's mouth. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. You don't really have to turn there because we're not going to spend a lot of time right here. But Jesus is having a conversation with Peter and he says this, I also say to you, you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church. That say that I might, there's a good chance I'll build my church. But he says, I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overpower it. 
So it doesn't matter what happened in 2018. It doesn't matter what happened in 2019. I am so thankful for the promise of the Savior of our Lord that he says there that it does not matter what has happened in the past, but it doesn't matter what this world does, what the enemy tries to do, but there is nothing the enemy is going to do that is going to overcome my church. And church, that is the promise that we as believers have got to cling to today. That is the hope that we have today, that it doesn't matter how chaotic this world gets, but Jesus promises the church of hell or the the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The enemy doesn't win. The enemy does not win. But for the last two years, we can look around and it's, it is so discouraging because we look around and it's, We've seen the church become separated. We've seen the church become scattered. And so the question that I wanna pose to you is the same question that the Holy Spirit has been posing to me for the last month and a half. What are we gonna do about it? What are we gonna do about those who have been separated? What are we gonna do about those who have scattered? Let me tell you what we're gonna do. This is rocket science. Are you ready? We're gonna fight for the church. And if you're not ready to fight for the bride of Christ, this may not be the church for you. I'm just gonna tell you how it is. If you're not ready and willing to fight, if you're not ready and willing to buckle up your chin strap, then you may just wanna go somewhere else. It's just gonna be a lot easier. Because at this church where God has called us to come together, to worship together, we are going to fight. And we're not gonna quit until the sheep are back together. You know, I read this quote this week and it just, it sums it all up. The number who identify themselves as Christians is far larger than the number who gather weekly. Those who would identify themselves as Christians is far larger than those who gather weekly. And when we talk about gathering weekly, if you remember last week, gathering as a body of people, that's the definition of church. That's the definition of the church, but there's a lot of people who would say that they're part of the church, but they never gather with the church. So something's missing, something's missing. And so what we're gonna do What God has placed on our hearts is what God has called us to do is we're gonna do exactly what my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother did the day that I was separated from them on the elevator. Because what I didn't see as a five-year-old, I was isolated. I was in this little box by myself. But what I didn't know is that my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother, they went to war to try to come and find me. They went up and down flights of steps. They were jumping on other elevators. They were doing everything they could to make sure that I was back in their fellowship. And that, my friend, is what we are going to do as the church. We are gonna fight and we're not gonna quit until the sheep are back together. We're gonna fight the same way my family fought to come and find me when I was separated from them. And this leads us to a very 
very obvious passage of Scripture. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 18. We mentioned this last week. But we're only going to be reading two verses today. Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. Jesus is talking to his disciples and I love how he kind of asked them a question to begin with. It's almost very casual. What do you think? What do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go and search for the one who is straying? Now, I want you to keep in mind that this is not a, a, a true story that Jesus is talking about. This is a story that Jesus is telling to teach a lesson. This is what we call a parable. This is where Jesus is using this, this story to help teach a lesson to these disciples. But the picture that Jesus is wanting to paint here is he's wanting the disciples to understand and recognize the heavenly father as a shepherd. And so Jesus is painting this picture to the disciples and he's helping them identify, hey, the shepherd is our father and we are the sheep. And so what we have to think about is that the sheep, they belong to the shepherd. And when I say the sheep belong to the shepherd, it means that the sheep are the, the possession of the shepherd. It means that the sheep are the responsibility of the shepherd. So not only is the shepherd responsible for everything that takes place in the sheep's life, there's a lot of details that help us better understand all of this that we know when we find out about some sheep. Now, there is so many. How many of you have ever researched like facts about a sheep. Don't, because you will be very humbled because the reality is, is all through the scriptures, that's us. And there's part of you that'll get offended because you're like, man, God just compared me to a dumb sheep. Yes, he is, because we are. We are in our flesh. We're not very bright. In our flesh, we don't have the ability to to honestly know what the next step is that we should be taking. But some of the things that we know about a sheep is that the sheep do not have good eyesight, which means that they can't recognize danger. Another thing is a sheep is a very defenseless animal. So if the shepherd doesn't defend the sheep, they're kind of helpless, they're kind of hopeless. But by nature, a sheep has a desire to be a part of a flock. By nature, a sheep wants to be with other sheep. It's just in their nature. It's just in their DNA. It's just how they're created. And so we see the parallel here. We see the picture that's already be painted. We, as children of God, we as sheep, we need guidance. We need to know direction. Because if you're anything like me, I'm not smart enough to sometimes find my way out of a wet paper sack. Because we need somebody who is directing our next steps, who is pointing us in the right direction. Also, as the children of God, 
We are defenseless outside the blood of the Christ, outside of blood of Christ. We are defenseless outside a relationship with him. But then the same as a sheep, there should be a conviction with each and every single one of us that we want to be with other sheep. That we want to be with our family. That we want to be with other people who are just like we are. And so as we look at this story, we hear the shepherd and we, we hear of the 99 that were all together. But truthfully, the story's not a lot about the shepherd and the sheep, or that's not the angle we're looking at today. Because today, I want us to focus on the one. I want us to focus on the one who has gone astray. The one who is no longer in the flock. They've wandered off. You see, the definition of astray means this. They've been led from the right way or they've been lured from where they belong. Something interesting that I've never even heard that in a lot of cases, there's a reason that a sheep ends up leaving a flock. And a lot of times they found out that what they've realized is after studying and seeing sheep that had left the flock, a lot of times what's going on inside the sheep is they are internally sick. There's a sickness inside of the sheep. And so therefore, by they're going now against their nature because they're sick and they find themselves leaving. And so when I read that, it's just like God just said, you know what? That's my children who've gone astray. There's a lot of people who would call Chestnut Mountain Church home. There's a lot of people who would call themselves a Christian, but they're not gonna gather anywhere today. They're not gonna gather with us today. And so the question that we have to ask is it, could it be, are they sick? Are they sin sick? Have they stumbled back in to sin that they struggled with? And maybe because the sin is now overtaking them again, are they embarrassed? Are they full of shame? Are they full of guilt? And they think that they've got to fix this again before they step back into the fellowship. And so therefore what they do is they isolate themselves. They send themselves away from the place that they know good and well they're supposed to be. But is it a sin sickness that has caused them to wander? Is it a sin sickness that has caused them to step away? And for those who have stepped away, those who have wandered, they're now isolated. And not only are they isolated, but they're very, very vulnerable. Because remember, a sheep is a defenseless animal. A sheep is a defenseless animal. And so as a child of God wanders from the flock, as a, as a child of God separates themselves from the flock that they are called to be with, they too are now isolated and they too now become very, very vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. And you remember we shared last week, the church, 
is a gathering of people. So if God's desire is for the church to be together, the enemy's desire is what? For the believers to be apart. It's not rocket science. Because the enemy opposes what God has instructed, what God has put into place, God wants us together, the enemy wants us apart. And we have watched that for two years. We've watched that for two years. We've watched him work. We've watched him try to isolate. We've watched him try to cause the sheep, the children of God to go astray. And just truthfully, from an outsider looking in, it appears that he has succeeded. Because there's a lot of people that are not in our fellowship, that are not here. But you remember last week we talked about that there's power in togetherness. And you know what, adults? I'm okay with this because used to, I sat in the, the role of a student pastor and I've watched so many times that when a revival takes place in a church, when our eyes are opened as an adult, you know a lot of times who leads the way? It's a teenager. And when I got the report from Wednesday night that the chapel was packed, there's power in togetherness. The chapel was packed. They were together as God has designed the body of believers. And guess what? Seven stepped from darkness to light. There's power in togetherness. But you know what? What, what I love is, as many of you don't know this, but the first Wednesday night of every month, our students call it United Night. And in the heart of United Night is an evangelistic night because it drives me nuts because our student ministry, they pass out these little cards, they're invite cards. And so all of our students take these invite cards to school and they invite all of their friends. The reason it drives me nuts is because they always get left in my truck and they're scattered everywhere. But my kids will jump out of the truck with a stack of cards, with a burning passion that they're gonna walk in their school and they're gonna invite every one of their friends to be a part of United Night. You see where I'm going with this? When's the last time we as adults have had the same passion as a teenager? To invite a friend at all costs. To invite a friend into God's house. To invite a friend to, to worship with us. Because church, there's power in togetherness. And I believe if we respond the way even our students do, God will honor it. God will honor what we are called to do. And I would love to even go around the room because we had an elder meeting Monday night and we were talking about just this simple invitation. There's a lot of our small group leaders that aren't in this, this room right now. They're in a, in a leader training meeting in the cafe and they are hearing the same thing, the power of an invitation. How many of you, we'll just go ahead and do it. I wasn't going to, but we're going to. How many of you came to church for the first time because you were invited by somebody? Raise your hand. Hands all over the room. 
of people who came to church for the very first time because you were invited by somebody. And I remember this Monday night, Andy Brazelton, one of our elders, got very emotional because he was invited to a Sunday school class, which led to his salvation. How many people are simply waiting on an invitation? And look, here's what I know about this month. Well, here's what I know about today. There's gonna be no earth-shattering messages. This is very basic. This is very simple. But church, the reality is, is I believe with everything in me, we have tried to complicate this thing a little bit too much. Yes, we love social media. Yes, we love marketing. But can I tell you, there's no better social media than marketing than you tapping somebody on the shoulder and saying, hey, friend, I would love for you to be my guest at church Sunday morning. So we're gonna get back to the nuts and bolts of how to grow the kingdom of God. Let's simply invite. Let's simply leave the 99 to go after the one Because the truth is, is when God begins to reveal people, because here's the truth, and we talked about this last week, you can look around this room right now, and I guarantee you in a matter of 15 seconds, you can name half a dozen people who are not here, who would call this place home, or who would call themselves Christians, but they're not in fellowship. But as God reveals those people to us, as God shows their face to us, we can respond one of two ways. We can respond like the scribes and the Pharisees did, which was always why they were upset with Jesus from from eating with those who had strayed away. We can respond like the scribes and the Pharisees and we think, you know what? Yeah, they're not here, but I am. I'm a whole lot more spiritual than they are. We can do that. Or we can follow the example of the shepherd and we can leave and step outside the comfort of this 99, if you would, and go after the ones who aren't here and go after the ones who are sin sick, go after the ones who have gone astray. Because you know, that day in Macy's, I didn't go to Macy's that morning and say, you know what? I'm gonna do everything I can today to get separated from my family. No, a door opened and it looked easy. A door opened and it looked like that's what I'm supposed to do. And so therefore in my flesh, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I did what looked right. I did what felt right. But all of a sudden I opened my eyes and turned around and I found myself pulled completely away from where I was supposed to be. You do understand for those people who are not here today, they didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm just gonna stop going to church. They didn't wake up with that mindset because remember, they've got a new nature. They're a follower of Christ. And by nature, we are animals who are wired to be with other sheep. And so the fact that they're not here, they're going against their new nature. But they didn't wake up and say, you know what? I've just determined today I'm gonna stop going to church. No, 
a pandemic hits and we start watching online, which we were all so thankful for. So the door opened, it looked right, it felt right. And now all of a sudden, we've gotten comfortable there. Now all of a sudden, it's gotten easier. But now all of a sudden, you turn back and you look and you're by yourself and you're isolated. They didn't set out with the intentions to go astray. They didn't set out with the intentions to separate themselves from the body that God had created them to be with. But it looked right, it felt right. But now where they find themselves is in a, in a paralyzed condition. Because I don't know if you've had conversations with, with people who aren't here. But the reality is, is they don't even wanna be where they're at. They're not happy being isolated. They know they're supposed to be here, but they're in that paralyzed state. The same way I knew I was supposed to get off the elevator, but I didn't have it in me. I didn't have it in me to step back off. You see, there's a lot of people who aren't here today that they can look around and they say, I know I'm not supposed to be here. I know I'm not supposed to be isolated, but I don't even know how to begin to go back into God's house. I'm shamed because people are gonna realize I've not been there in two years. I'm gonna be embarrassed because they find themselves paralyzed. They know where they're supposed to go, but they don't have the courage or they don't have the strength to get where they need to go. And so that, my friend, church, is why we are gonna fight for them. You remember Jesus did everything for us that we didn't have the power and the ability to do ourselves. So I think it's time that we as the church copy his model and we do for others what they don't have the power to do themselves. So if they don't have the the strength or the courage to step out of that door to be here, we're gonna go to that door and we're gonna walk with them back into God's house. Because we wanna do for people what they don't have the power to do themselves. And church, we're gonna fight until we're all back together. We're gonna fight for the church until we're all back together. And remember, the church is the assembly of people, the gathering of people back together. And we're not gonna be satisfied until all of God's family is back together. Which if you think about it, we're never gonna be satisfied. And so we're just gonna keep fighting. We're gonna keep loving. We're gonna keep going after the one. And just think about this when it comes to one. Look at verse 13. If it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he, talking about the shepherd, rejoices over it more than over the 99 which have not gone astray. You know, maybe today, this is your first time back in a while. I was so encouraged with conversations and text messages that we received that my wife received last week. 
And it was people saying, hey, you know what? I've been lazy, but I'll see you next Sunday. And so maybe that's you. Can I tell you this morning that you are God's honored guest here today? That according to this text, now this is probably gonna make a lot of us a little angry. God's a little more excited about the one who has come back today than the 99 who are here every week. You're like, well, well, then I'll just not come back. Then he'll be happy I'm back in a month or so. Well, we'll have another conversation later if that's your heart today. But if today's your first time back in a while, I want you to realize that there's no judgment that there's no pointing fingers, but today you are God's honored guest because you're back. Because you're back in fellowship with the people that you were created to be with. And so my prayer is is that we would all in this room this morning, even if this is your first time back, that we would all have the same heart of the shepherd, that we would all do whatever we have to do to fight for the church to be back together, that we would all go to whatever extent that we've got to do to bring God's children back together because you think about it this way. Look, I'm a father of five kids. If my house catches on fire, And as a dad, I'm called to be the hero. I'm called to rescue those children. And if I finally make it back to the front yard and I look around me and there's my wife and four kids, I'm not gonna go, you know what? (laughs) I got 80% of my kids, we're good. As a dad, I'm not gonna be satisfied with that. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go back to war. I'm gonna go back to fight till all of my children are in my arms. So church, what we've got to get over, the 99 who are here, we can't get comfortable with the 80% that are in God's house. But we've got to get burdened about the 20% who are not. And that 80-20 in that role is, is a little skewed in and of itself because I would say there's probably more like 60% that are here and 40% who are not. Because we can look at our database here on any given Sunday. Kids included, everybody on campus, we're gonna run a little over 700 people. Maybe a little less than that here recently. But there's no doubt in my mind if everybody who calls Chestnut Mountain Church home was here, this building wouldn't hold us all. This building would not hold us all. And here's what I want you to know. We've already got plans to make this room bigger. No, we're not building a building. We're just gonna tear down some walls. Y'all, we got a big old stage. We don't need this big old stage. I'd like to have a whole lot of chairs. We can gut these walls on the side and we can put chairs around. Because church, I believe with everything in me, if we, the 99, will get passionate about those 30, 40% that aren't here, church, this is gonna be something that we have to do.
that we have to do. But is it that important to us? Is it that important to us? The month of January is going to be completely devoted to get the sheep back together. We're going to go after each and every sheep who has wandered one at a time. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray that our Heavenly Father, that God gives us the heart to just go get one more. To go get one more.
You know, in the beginning of that clip, I don't know if you noticed, but every soldier that was wounded that he went to had a name. The truth is, as a part of God's army, there's a lot of wounded soldiers today. You know, they're wounded, they're, they're broken, and they know where they're supposed to be. Every one of those soldiers in that cliff, or in that clip, they knew exactly they, where they were supposed to be, but they didn't have the strength. They didn't have the physical ability to get where they needed to go. And so one man decided, I'm gonna fight for my wounded brother and sister. And his cry was, God, just help me get one more. God, just help me get one more. In each seat, you've noticed these cards that have been placed on the seats. And you remember last week as we talked about Acts 2.42 as the church was birthed, what did the church do? One of the things that they devoted themselves to was prayer. And so what we're challenging each and every one of you to do as the 99 is that you would ask God to reveal to you who are three people that you know are not here. And you may say, well, Brian, is that limited to, to people who I know are, are supposed to be at Chestnut Mountain Church? Or is, I'm not the Holy Spirit. You ask God who those three are. Because I can tell you right now, there's one individual that God's laid on my heart. It's gonna take a miracle to get him here. You know, I wasn't even gonna share this, but I'm going to. As Bobby Vaughn passed away last week, and I remember being at the funeral home with the family on Monday, I guess it was. I had conversation after conversation after conversation of people that were coming up and introducing themselves to me. And they said, so you're Brian, you're the, the pastor at Chestnut Mountain. I said, well, yeah, that's, that's what they tell me. And the very next statement out of their mouth would be, I used to go to Chestnut Mountain. Chestnut Mountain used to be home. At church, I would then ask the next question. Well, where's home now? Then it got really awkward. 
now. I don't really have one. Church, I don't even know these people. But my heart broke for them. How many people do you know that for whatever reason they're not here? For whatever reason they're not in church, period. It doesn't have to be about Chestnut Mountain. But the truth is, is they're wounded. The enemy has blinded them. And they don't have the ability to get where they know they need to be. And so what God has called us to do is do the very thing that Desmond Doss was doing. God, help us get one more. God, help us get one more. And so I want us to start today very much like we closed last week. Is maybe today's message, maybe the topic, maybe this is just kind of just water off a duck's back. You're just gonna go on about your day. I'm gonna pray that God keeps you awake tonight. I'm gonna pray that we have the burning passion that Desmond Doss had. To God, just help us get one more. And all of this is leading up to January 30th. Here's what I'm believing. Here's what I'm hoping and praying for is, is I hope that January 30th is not just some high attendance Sunday. I hope that January 30th leading up to that, we're gonna continue and begin to see a snowball. That we're gonna see new people back next week. That we're gonna see new people back the next week. That we're gonna see new people back the next week. And then on January 30th, it's gonna be a celebration because the sheep are back in fellowship with one another. And what we're asking you to do, you can read on this card, these three people. We want you to pray for them beginning today. We want them, you to invite them. And then we're just simply asking, Take them to lunch after church. Take them to lunch after church. Invite them back in. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. 
Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.